Welcome to Treat Your Shelf, a book club podcast where each month we read a book and come together to discuss it. I'm Hannah. I'm Christina. And I'm Emma. And today we are bringing you our year-end review where we're going to talk about how our reading went for 2023. Woo! How'd it go? I mean, that's the question I want to know too. Emma, how'd it go for you? Well, I just realized at this very moment that I didn't officially count up how many books I read. Oh, no. But, but I do, okay, so what was it? 107 volumes of One Piece, yes. right? Yes. And so then, other than that, I believe I read 28 books. So, nice. Pretty good. That's really good. Um, You have me beat, for sure. Other than One Piece, I, <laughs> I read... 23 books so far. Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> There's still time. You can get a few more in. You are really convinced you are just going to read so many books before the end of this I know. Year. Well, to be fair, the book that I'm reading now is 400 pages. So oh gosh. It's, okay. t- it's taking a second, but it's kind mm. of a quick read. Okay, nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's taking a second, but very quickly. But it's also quick. Yeah, it's you know, for me, in my timeline, it's taking a second for other people, but for me, it's quick. Okay. <laughs> but it's also taking you a long time. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> Makes sense to me. No! <laughs> <laughs> well, Hannah, I know you read probably plus 150 books for, like, you know, more than Emma and I. Mm. So what exactly is that number? Including One Piece, I am at 235 books for the year. At least 150 of that is manga, again, including One Piece. So I read a bunch of manga outside of One Piece this year as well. I was just like, let me get back into this. I have like a couple series that I've kept up with through the years. Uh, but this year I was like, let me try a bunch of new things. So yeah, I mean, I had hoped to get to 100 books, and it doesn't seem like I'm going to get to that this year, but counting the manga, I'm very happy with what I've managed to do this year. Yes. (laughs) Good job, Hannah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Alrighty. So if we just want to like go around and each share like our top three or like the ones that we want to highlight. Hannah, you go first. All right, I'm going to start us off with a novella. I think it was only like 87 pages. And it's The Lies of the Ajungo by Moses Ose Utomi. And gorgeous cover. Uh, It's about this boy who goes on an epic quest to bring water back to his city and to try and save his mother. Mm. And also in his city, the City of Lies, when he turns 13, when all of them turn 13, their tongues are cut out. And so he's like two days away from that. But he gets special permission to go out into the desert to try and bring back water. It's like this impossible mission, which is kind of why they say, yes, you are allowed to do this. Mm. And so he leaves and he ends up meeting up with people from other cities. And they're all starting to realize that what we've been told by like the ruling class is maybe not true. Like we have all of these lies that we've been told about all of these different cities. Um, and maybe, you know, things aren't exactly what we thought they were. And so yeah, it's just uh, this story of him trying to accomplish this impossible task. And 
all of the secrets and lies that he uncovers along the way. All that in a novella. It's so good. It's so good. The character work is fantastic. It is very violent. I mean, definitely content warnings for gore and mutilation. I mean, the the action scenes that it packs into this book are really intense. But it was it was beautifully written. There is a sequel coming out, I believe. I don't think it's out yet. I think it's coming out early in 2024. So I'm excited to read that. I think it's also going to be a novella. So so yeah, I, I really liked it a lot. All right. <laughs> nice. Christina, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. So I will say, okay, out of the 23 books that I read that weren't One Piece, 14 were horror novels. And five were nonfiction. The other, the remaining ones were just a little bit of fantasy, a little bit of sci-fi, but I definitely read mostly horror this year. (laughs) Okay. So, and my top three, I don't know if it's necessarily, I will, I'm not gonna say it's like, this first one is like the best one. I feel like they're all kind of on the same level for me. Yeah, I feel that way too with mine. So, Going against the trend for the year for me, though, my number one book was a sci-fi book that I read. Okay. Called Wool, and it's part of uh, the Silo trilogy written by Hugh Howey. It was made into an Apple TV show called Silo this year, but the show is vastly... Like, I read the book first, and I could not get into the show. But I've heard good things. Okay. <laughs> so, so good if you don't read the book or um, or are there people who have read the book who have also liked the show? People who have seen the show first can like kind of understand and appreciate the book in a different way, I guess. Okay. But basically it's about this society that lives in an underground silo and no one really remembers how they got there. All, from what they know, the outside air is toxic. And so they have these like laws in place that like anyone who wishes to go outside because there are people that don't believe what they're seeing on the windows or screens, mm. you know, they let them go out without question. Like okay. they're kind of forced out at that point. <laughs> <laughs> this woman right at the beginning leaves or, you know, is pushed out. And she stumbles on another silo. And that happens like really early in the book. So I don't feel like I'm giving away anything. But (laughs) it's kind of this cataclysm of like, what's going on and trying to figure out, you know, the second silo that she comes upon is empty. And like, what happened here? Like, what was the fall of this silo? And is the outside air toxic? How to get this way, etc. So it was really good. I felt like it was one of those books where at the end of every part, there was like some sort of huge revelation that was like just mind blowing, like just a big reveal of information. So it was really easy to get through. And that's what so I'm reading the second book shift now. And hopefully I'll get through that by the end of the year. It is long, but it is like, you know, a rewarding read. Okay, yeah. Highly recommend. And if you do see the show, I recommend the first episode. So the first episode follows the sheriff and his him and his wife's journey. It was initially released as a short story. 
So like that part in the book is very separate as well. And I think the show did a good job of like being true to the book in that regard. So it was true to the book in something that like wasn't in the book? Uh, It was in the book. So it's like part one of the book. But it's like not it's like the prologue, basically. Oh, okay. Okay. But it did start off as a short that short story alone, and then he built more off mm. of it before the release of the novel. Okay. Oh, I don't like when people expand things from short stories. I'm always <laughs> like, you're padding, I can see it. <laughs> it's, it's anything but padding. It's like, it's insane. And the reveal that happens at the end of the prologue alone was something that I didn't expect them to reveal until the end of the first book. So I was like, in shock from the start. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Emma, what was your first of three favorite books? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not just one book, because this year I started reading the Redwall series by oh. Brian Jakes. Wow. <laughs> now, I only got through three because you realize pretty fast that all these books are the same. But, <laughs> but, so I loved the cartoon when I was a kid. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, it's finally time to read these. I got to do it. And so I read the first book and I loved it. It's so cute. <laughs> Is these Are these the books with like the animals in armor? Like yes. on the cover? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. All right. For people who may not know, yeah. it is <laughs> it's the story of woodland creatures. Usually mice are like the main characters. So there's a, a mouse named Matthias and he lives in this abbey and then the abbey becomes under attack and he's got to try and save the abbey, basically. <laughs> it's, but like, it's just like so well written. It's okay. real, just like... All like the technical aspects of writing are just done perfectly. I don't know if that mm. makes any sense, but it just <laughs> and I love the descriptions of things and I know that he's very famous for describing food and mm. feasts. Oh. There there's only like one feast in the first book, but then by the third <laughs> book there's like a whole chapter where there's just a <laughs> feast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but it's really it's really cute because I was reading about the author and how what in, what inspired him is that he was he would read books for blind children and so he wanted to incorporate descriptions that weren't just sight based into his stories Aww. and so he does a great job of that that's amazing <laughs> oh my god so my favorite so far of the three i've read is the second book moss flower it was so good. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's, just, <laughs> yeah. it's cute. It's a comfort read. They are long. That's like my main complaint. Okay. I didn't really get into the third book. I thought the B plot wasn't really necessary mm. <laughs> for that book. Uh, but it has really great female characters and a lot of female characters. Oh, nice. And just great things. It's just like, if you're interested in learning how to write, I feel like you should read these books. It's just very like... Everything's done correctly, but, you know, it's like, there's there's this very black and white morality where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, you can expand on this and, you know, improve on this, but still just so many things where it's like, yeah, this is great. It's a cute little story. It's good stuff. Good, good fantasy for children and for me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Do you plan on reading any more or like, no, because you couldn't get into the third one? So they're like, they're not all different. 
but a lot of them are just like different groups of characters each time. So I, I will read more because other books have to do with the characters that were in the second book and I want to get to mm. those. Okay. So I will definitely read those. And so I will definitely read more. I don't know if I will read all like 22 or however many. Oh, yeah. There are. <laughs> mm. Because the length does get to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Where it's like, oh my God, this is 400 pages. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. <laughs> nice. Nice first pick. My second pick is going to be a middle grade book. It's The Ghosts of Rancho Espanto by Adriana Cuevas. And so this is a book with like a little bit of sci-fi thrown in. It's about this kid named Rafa whose mom is sick with cancer and his dad just doesn't really want to deal with him and his mom. Like, he, he's starting to kind of act out a little bit. He and his friends try and steal, like, a vending machine from school. And a vending machine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, gets caught. And dad is just like, I can't handle all of this at the same time. You need to go go to this ranch for the summer. And so he gets sent to this ranch in New Mexico uh, where he's going to be working for, like, a month. And pretty much right when he gets there, I mean, he doesn't really want to be there, but then it seems like somebody is trying to get him to leave. Like, he keeps noticing this strange man, but, like, nobody else is seeing this strange man. Mm. And all of his work just keeps getting sabotaged. And so it's like somebody is trying to force him to leave and he doesn't understand what's happening. And then even stranger and weirder things start happening as, like, things start like memories don't seem to be what they used to be like it's it's this really well-written book about (laughs) i i don't even know it's just you've got rafa and then he meets jenny and he also meets one of the workers there um who's a vet uh who's dealing with ptsd and so it's just a really well done look at grief because all three of these characters are dealing with different things that have caused them to feel grief and how they all end up supporting each other and working through this. And I just loved the relationships so much. And the ending is a little bit open about what's going to happen with like the people in some of their lives, but I just thought it was Really beautiful and really well done. So I really love that book. But yeah, Christina, what's your second pick? Okay, my second pick is The Cabin at the End of the World, a horror pick by Paul Tremblay. <laughs> you only read things that were made into movies or TV shows. Okay, yes. So <laughs> I saw this movie first. And this is the year, like, because I did this at more than just these two times this year. I realized that, like... Really, whether you watch the movie or read the book first, like, it really depends on the movie and show. Like, you can't just say it, like, I feel like I can't just say you have to read the book first 100% of the time. Right. It totally depends. And this is one where I don't think it would matter because the endings for both the movie and the book are so wildly different that... It's just like watching just like an alternate ending. They're both really great and they both make you contemplate. It's a it's a post-apocalyptic kind of mind bender. But this gay couple with their adopted daughter are out in a cabin in the middle of the woods on vacation when they're approached by a group of people with strange weaponry. And they say, 
you guys have to take your or one of you guys has to take your own life in order to save all of humanity. Mm. And it's like so far fetched, like this premise that this would even happen. And so it's everyone struggling. Like, is this a hate crime? Like, what is your purpose? Like, why us? Like all of this. And it's just like it takes you through just like this one night with these people in this cabin at the end of the world maybe or maybe not and it's Mm. like it's really great i liked it and i liked how the movie approached it as well and i so i highly recommend both because i can't (laughs) and i like i can't even decide which ending i liked better they both were great and they both were like completely different okay yeah very cool (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay my second book was I realized that now two of my picks are basically middle grade, but, you know, anyone can read this book. Anyone can read any of these books. Yeah. Yeah. Books are for everyone. (laughs) I read Farewell to Manzanar by Jean Wakatsuki Houston, which is the memoir of a girl talking about her time in Manzanar, which was a Japanese internment camp. The foreword for the book talks about the term you know, internment camp. And it's like, it's it's just a prison, but like this book uses the term internment and like, so people know what I'm talking about, I'm going to use the term, but you know, imprisonment of Japanese Americans in World War II. Mm -hmm. So it's a topic I've wanted to learn more about for a very long time. And this was a very easy way to learn more about it because it is for a younger audience. I would say you could probably hand this to a fifth grader and be like, Hey, you want to learn more about this? <laughs> Hannah had kids who were into World War II, so I did. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's it's very informative. It's, it's this personal narrative of this girl and what she went through, and I learned so much about how terrible it was. Obvious, not mm. obviously, because we didn't learn about it in school. But yeah, you know, like. They go there and the bathrooms don't, like, there there are no stalls, there are no dividers, it's just a row of toilets, Mm. and then just, the food was terrible, so everybody was sick for, like, the first month, and it's just terrible stuff, and she also does this really great psychological profile of her father, and, like, he was not a great person, Mm. and how he was sent to jail at the beginning like right after pearl harbor because he was a fisherman and the government was like you sold gasoline to the japanese and it's like no what (laughs) huh (sighs) yeah but anyway it's just very simple way to learn more about things i know hannah is always learning about all the atrocities in the world (laughs) so i'm not doing as great of a job as her but i'm just doing like i feel like this is the bare minimum just Mm. like read this book it'll make you more informed about things yeah you gotta start somewhere Yeah. yeah all right i can get into my third pick now christina i do think that you've read some of this I want to talk about Earth Divers by Stephen Graham Jones, a comic book series uh, that is currently releasing. They're on issue like 12 or 13 right now, I think. Yeah. This is a fantastic comic series. So it takes place a little less than 100 years in the future where like climate disasters have occurred and the wealthy have fled to outer space. 
And then you've got this group of indigenous people who find a way to travel back in time, and they decide that they are going to go and kill Christopher Columbus and hopefully try and change (laughs) what is happening to them. And so you've got Tad, who is the one who is chosen to go back. He's like the linguist. He's the one who they feel is the best prepared for this. Uh, And so he goes back to try and complete his mission. And I mean, so much goes wrong along the way. There's it's it's so gory. The cutbacks to what's happening in like the present timeline in 2112 are also really interesting because maybe not everybody in the group is what they seem. And it's just this really interesting mix of these like horror elements and sci-fi elements. And it's just a really fantastic series. And I'm just never sure where it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I it's still ongoing, uh, but I am very much enjoying my time with it. And the reason I haven't been caught up on Earth Divers is I like literally can't find like follow shows or comic books that are like coming out, mm. you know, <laughs> and like waiting a week or like a month to like read Earth Divers was like, I have to wait until more are out and then I will get back into this. Yeah, I only recently caught up on it. Oh, <laughs> I, had like a, okay. I had like a stack of five issues that I hadn't gotten to and oh my saved them all and just read them in an afternoon. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Christina, what's your third book that you wanted to highlight? My third pick <laughs> is The Ruins by Scott Smith. Emma, I don't know if if you know this, but this was also turned into a movie back in 2008. 2008? Oh, wow. No, I don't know that. And Scott Smith helped write the screenplay. So I do love when the authors take part in the writing of the movie because I then can watch the movie and be like, this is an interesting change. And with The Ruins, I would say the movie is the training wheels version of the book. (laughs) Even though the book came out first. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think they lessened the gore and the horror for the movie, for sure, to make it more palatable. That happens all the time. Yeah, like the body horror is intense in this Mm. book. But the thing that I love most about this book is the unconventional villain. I love when horror books and movies have unconventional villains, because then you get to anthropomorphize like weather events and stuff in the case of the ruins uh it's vines so the villain like that is the terror but the way that these vines terrorize this group of young college kids it's like the typical young college kids on vacation in mexico and they stumble upon mayan ruins and the local mayans are trying to warn them but they don't speak spanish they only speak mayan and so no one knows what's going on and yeah it you know communication is key but the way that these vines are described by scott smith are just so it's so horrifying and amazing like these vines at one point they're able to like vibrate their tendrils in a way to mock them and imitate their voices so it adds this whole other layer of like did you really say that is that you like what's going on but then also these vines are just like laughing at these people that are stranded on this hilltop (laughs) like Mm. it's intense and it's really long it's like a long horror book but the last hundred pages go by in a flash because it's just horror after horror wow 
gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Best book of the year. <laughs> yeah. If you watch the movie and you're like, yeah, but like they could have taken it a little further <laughs> than read the book. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, we've had so many happy choices this year. <laughs> Emma, <laughs> what do you have for us? Well, it's something that makes me happy. Okay. <laughs> but speaking of the TV adaptation not being as violent as the original material, <laughs> I started reading the Fist of the North Star manga. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I did, Hannah. Hannah knows very well. I watched this anime well over a decade ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I loved it back then. And so I saw that it was at the library, and I was like, yeah, I'll I'll read it eventually, and then I started reading it, and I I can't stop it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. I don't even know why. It's okay. <laughs> this is the North Star. People probably don't know, but I hope they do. It is the story of Kenshiro, and he is the Fist of the North Star. <laughs> he practices Hokuto Shinken, which is this martial arts, and he's the only one who knows it. Uh, because there can only be one successor to it. Mm-hmm. And he's going around the post-apocalypse because, of course, it is it is like Mad Max ripoff, mm. but martial arts movie also. It's like every 80s B-movie combined into one. And it's just, it is, it's way more violent than the anime. The anime, <laughs> I knew that they edited the violence because it was like when people explode, they would go into like this blue silhouette because you can't show a red silhouette because that's blood and that's Mm -hmm. violent (laughs) but it's so violent it's so gory and i love it oh my god i knew (laughs) the reason i got into it back in the day is because i knew it was a moderate influence on oda but Mm -hmm. it's also like the anti one piece in a lot of ways right because basically every side character dies so (laughs) when in doubt in this manga the person is dead. I actually thought somebody was unconscious, but no, they were actually dead. And I was just like, no. Oh, gosh. Wow. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So there's not a lot of emotional depth because Kenshiro, he's just going around killing people. He's a lot more cold than I remember him being, which is great. He has (laughs) one-liners and everything. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) And he wins every fight. And we know he's going to win every fight. There's Mm. little tension. (laughs) <laughs> the female characters, eh. <laughs> it's hit and miss. There are some really great, there was there was a moment that was so good, I cheered, where <laughs> this female character stood up for herself, and I was like, yes! Oh, nice. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think it's the perfect manga for pro wrestling fans, because Ooh. it's... <laughs> I can agree with that. It has, the, it has soap opera drama, which leads to the fights, and then it's really satisfying when the fights happen. <laughs> But I do. I love all the side characters. I've, I'm drawing fan art for this series that only Hannah's seen, by the way. Yep. <laughs> I'm just like, look at my precious apocalypse babies. <laughs> anyway, it's great. It's fun. I'm, I'm loving it. I loved it back then, and I still love it, which makes me very happy. And I can't, I can't explain why. I will have to go through it with a fine-tooth comb mm. and figure out why do I like this. I don't know. Probably because it's schlock. That's, sometimes there are just things that we just like, and that's okay. Yep. Like, how many times do we say how much we love gore in this episode? 
Wow. It is like, oh my god. It just like six people got beheaded at the same time and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. look at this. <laughs> it's just crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. Wow. What a happy episode. <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah, you're 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 definitely happy. I, I don't know how we really want to do honorable mentions. I will say mine are kind of in three different categories. So I'm just going to go through some of the titles of my honorable mentions for comics and manga. The first one, I only read the first volume. It's a comic series uh, called The Nice House on the Lake by James Tiny and the Fourth. Horror and sci-fi thrown together. Never knew where this story was going. So many twists and turns. A group of friends go to a nice house on the lake. And then all of a sudden, it seems like the apocalypse has happened and they're stuck there. And that's just the very bare bones. It, it goes so many wild places that you never expected to go. And I really liked that. Manga Rex, I have Boys Run the Riot. It's a four-volume series by Keito Gaku. It's about this group of kids, high schoolers. Uh, the main character is trans, and he and his friends end up working together to create a clothing line. I will say content warnings for forced outing in, oh gosh, it was either the second or the third volume. Uh, so just be careful of that. But really fa like fascinating to just to see them working to getting their business off the ground and to actually becoming these fashion designers. Another manga is She Loves to Cook, She Loves to Eat by Sakeomi uh, Yuzaki. It's a sapphic love story between this one lady who really likes to cook and this one lady who really likes to eat. And it's just really, <laughs> really sweet and cozy and I will say there are also content warnings for like homophobia. And I do believe actually like in the volume that it happens, it like has the content warning like right before you get to it, which was really, really helpful to know what you were getting into. But really sweet, really cute, really cozy. I recommend. And then my final manga that I wanted to highlight is Dinosaur Sanctuary by Itaru uh, Kinoshita. Just a really cool look at what society would be like if we had these dinosaur sanctuaries all over the place and um, what it takes to run a dinosaur sanctuary. And they have the, – the writer of this has somebody, a, a scientist, a paleontologist that they actually go to and that they get – like, they are, there are, like, chapter notes that are, like, here's the actual science behind this dinosaur and here's what we know about this dinosaur. And it's just, like, really cool to see. I love that. So it's just – seems like a lot of care was put into that series. There are three volumes out right now with more to come. So that is my – Manga and comics attempt at rapid fire. Honorable mentions. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't have that many. You're good. I, I couldn't stop myself. <laughs> You're not supposed to. <laughs> You're not supposed to. Looking at the books that I read, or the mangas that I read, I only read one author, and that was Junji Ito. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course, of course. Yep. So I read Smashed, Frankenstein, and Tomy. And I will say that's probably in like reverse order of how I would rank them. So Tomi would be number one. I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't like any of them as much as I liked Uzumaki, but okay. Frankenstein was really good. Like I wish there were more Frankenstein stories. It's like a collection of short stories plus Frankenstein. And I wish it was more Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> needs more Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as comics, 
or graphic novels, really. I read one non or two nonfiction ones, and that's Mouse One and Mouse Two by mm. Art Spiegelman. A classic. Which is one that I haven't read yet. It was my first read through of it, and like, God, why did it take so long? I feel mm. like it's something that we should have read in high school oh, at yeah. least. Yeah. But it was really good and really sad. But, yeah. you know, classic. It's just, I'm glad that I finally got to check that classic off my list. All right. And that's it. All right. Well, I'm, I'm not going to talk about any more comic books. Uh, <laughs> but You're good. But, okay, I'm going to do my quick on-roll mentions here, or I'll try to be quick. But uh, Christina's mentioning horror that was turned into movies. I read... <laughs> The Hellbound Heart by Clive Barker. Ooh. Which was turned into Hellraiser, which was directed by Clive Barker. Mm -hmm. Oh, fun. So this, I I don't know why, but I was like, should I watch the movie Hellraiser? And I eventually decided no. But then I found (laughs) out I could read the book. (laughs) And so I did. And I enjoyed it a lot. It's it's like a novella, I think, actually. Okay. It's very short, a lot of body horror, really good stuff. Did you end up watching the movie? Not yet. <laughs> There's two, because they just, I think they remade like it. Ten. Oh, well, I mean, like, <laughs> of the first one, like, oh, there's, yeah. I think they recently remade it. No, I, I know that I, I think that may have been, like, the start of it as I saw, like, the remake was happening, and I was like, mm. I know there are, like, ten of these movies, and I know they get really bad. Wouldn't it be <laughs> yeah. fun to watch all of them? <laughs> Like, when I think of the first Hellraiser, I also, like, for some reason, I associated my mind with the old Dune series, like, okay. that kind of level of production. But maybe not. Okay, ooh, that might be get me <laughs> that, to watch that, it. That will make Emma want to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know whether or not I could handle it, but I don't know. We'll uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, instead, instead of watching Hellraiser, I ended up watching The Thing, which was great. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is a great movie. Yes. I do like Arctic, Antarctic horror. Yeah. <laughs> no, the atmosphere of that movie is so good. But yeah. anyway, uh, <laughs> um, I also read The Wager by David Grand, which came out mm. this year. And okay, I didn't actually know anything about this book, but I was like, there's a ship on the cover and it's nonfiction. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of books I like. Anyway, it's not an actually about a wager. That's the name of the ship. Okay. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I was like, oh, it's like around the world in 80 days. There's like a wager involved oh. with the ship. No, I'm I'm the idiot here. I was just... It's <laughs> <laughs> the name of the ship. There's a shipwreck. It's, it says it on like the cover, the subtitles, like shipwreck, mutiny, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. whatever. Anyway... Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty good. You know, I'm wary of nonfiction, especially when it has like descriptions where it's like intensity crackled in the air. And I'm like, how do you know that? Mm. That's not nonfiction. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, it's a compelling read. So it's it's an entertaining, compelling read, whether or not it is historically accurate. I do not know. I cannot judge. Okay. I've been fooled before. So that's why I bring it up. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. It's well documented on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, last I read a short story collection called The King in Yellow by Robert W. Chambers. And so one of the reasons I read this was because The King in Yellow is something that comes up in H.P. Lovecraft stories which I haven't actually read because I don't like H.P. Lovecraft, but this is like reading Lovecraft without reading Lovecraft. <laughs> okay. So only like the first five stories are spooky, 
and they're not really that spooky. The first one is actually really good. I recommend the first story, The Repairer of Reputations. So it, it is pretty good. Then like the last couple stories are about the love lives of Paris artists. And it's mm. very strange <laughs> change in uh, tone. But anyway, I thought they were really well written stories. There was like snappy dialogue, but it's from the 1890s. So like 1890s snappiness. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, okay. But I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. It was good. And I haven't brought up short stories in a very long time on this podcast, so nah. I'm trying to I'm trying to get back into it, guys. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so that's my honorable mentions part one. Yeah. <laughs> my honorable mentions part two, I'll talk about some of the romance. I really this year with manga, I mean I read like romance manga, but I I didn't read as much romance as I usually do, and I didn't read as much nonfiction as I usually try to do. Um, So both Mm. things that I definitely want to get back into for next year. But the romances that I did read and love, um, the first one is The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches by Sangu Mandana. It's just really, really cozy, really, really sweet found family uh, witch who ends up answering an ad to come and teach these three young witches how to be witches and just... It's really, really sweet, really, really cute, and I really liked it. And then my other romance that I wanted to talk about is Deceived by the Gargoyles by Lillian Lark. (laughs) This this is my true favorite book of the year. I loved it so much. (laughs) It is a why choose romance with this woman who is a witch, and she goes to like this supernatural matchmaking our matchmaker who sets her up on a date with a gargoyle. And then later on, she finds out that this gargoyle actually already has two mates of his own. And it's about two two mates of his own. And it's about the three gargoyles and this witch all falling in love. And it's (laughs) fantastic. That's too many gargoyles. Oh, it's (laughs) not. It's so well done. It's so, so well done. It's so perfect. Gosh, I need to reread it. It was so good. Um, they're they're so protective of her, all in their different ways. Like the first guy that she meets is just this total golden retriever um, who's just like trying to fix his relationship with his mates and is like, this is what will fix it. And they're like, that is a really stupid idea. What are you saying? But then they're like, no, this woman is amazing. We need her in our lives. But then she's also got like her own things going on. And it's just... Really, really, really well done. So those are my romance honorable mentions. Wow. Applause, Hannah. Um, <laughs> and after that, we're going to dive deep into my horror honor- honorable mentions. Yes. <laughs> um, I, yeah. So my first one is Our Wives Under the Sea, which I may have talked about before. I don't know. Uh, by Julia Armfield. I read this right after the, uh, you know, the submarine disaster. Oh, yeah. And it was like, I was really into deep ocean horror for a bit. <laughs> So two of these honorable mentions have to do with that. (laughs) Abyssal horror? I don't know. So Our Wives Under the Sea, this woman's wife gets lost in a submarine that's going to the depths of the Marianas Trench. She reappears sometime later with little to no explanation from the company that she works for or herself. And we kind of alternate views between 
these two women who are going through very different sides of this experience. And it's kind of Lovecraftian in that, you know, she brings something back from the deep with her and it kind of becomes more and more apparent throughout the novel. That's all I'll say. Hmm. But it's really good. Number two is literally just called The Deep by Nick Cutter. Nick Cutter's written a few books that I really enjoy. This one is like really psychological, which when you're trapped at the bottom of the ocean under, you know, tons and tons of pressure, like, you know, things are going to get crazy. And they do in this book. Really enjoyed. Number three is How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix. He's written a lot of these like poppy horror novels. And this one I really enjoyed. And it really spooked to me because as a child, I had a deep fear of dolls. Okay. (laughs) And this book specifically centers around like haunted puppets and dolls. And it was like such a great haunted house novel. Like I loved it. It was really fun. No movie based on any of those yet. (laughs) Yet. Yet. If only, yeah. (laughs) You could make that movie, Christina. I could. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It is time for my follow-ups. Yes. <laughs> as I as I term this section. Uh, these are books that you guys have read or I said I was going to read. So mm. we'll start with Hannah. Last year recommended that I read The Last Map Maker, which mm. I did. And it was good. <laughs> <laughs> Problem is, this was early in the year. Yeah. I don't really remember. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> A pretty good book. Also, early in the year, this is my first book of the year, House of Leaves. I said I was going to mm. read that, and I did, and nice. it was it was good. <laughs> does it deserve the hype that it gets as like, because I, I haven't read it yet because of the hype that it gets. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, They're like, because it's one of those books that people are like, oh, you're a horror fan? Have you read House of Leaves yet? You know, okay. like, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Like, there were things that were spooky, but I don't Mm -hmm. know if overall I'd be like, yes, this is horror. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Because that's like, those are the vibes I get from the book, like, from the synopsis. And that's why I've been unwilling to... And it's a long book. It is. Although then, it's so great when you get to that section where it's just like one word on each page and you get through Mm. like a hundred (laughs) pages. It's so great. (laughs) Nice. So yeah, how, I don't know. It's a it's a hard book to define. I it's it's an interesting book. I think that's the best way to put it. It's just like mm. you haven't read a book like this. <laughs> but I won't necessarily say like it's going to be the best horror book you've ever read. Yeah. But a book you did read, Christina, A Master of Gin by P. J. L. A. Clark. Oh yes. I thought it was okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Because I solved the mystery forty percent of the way through. Oh my god! And there were still like 200 pages left. And I'm like, why haven't you solved this mystery yet? Uh. So, but yeah, I don't know if it's a book like Ursula K. Le Guin's books where like, it's not really about the story. It's more about the world building, which like that was done well, yeah. but the mystery not really done very well. Yeah, like that's I, I mean, I read that book maybe two years ago. And I don't know how long ago I read it now, but um, it's like when I think about it, I remember the world that was built and the characters, but I don't remember the mystery. Like I don't remember the story. Yeah. Not a great mystery novel, but <laughs> maybe it is. I don't know. I don't read mystery novels, so maybe it was on par yeah. with other things. But anyway, my last follow up is 
The Land of Milk and Honey by C. Pam Zong, which I read her book, How Much of These Hills is Gold, which I loved so mm. much. Highly recommend. Don't really recommend this book. Um, <laughs> it, it was... Okay. So, like, I read it solely because I loved her first book. Based on the description, I would have never picked up this book. But I was like, okay, you know what? I loved her first book. I'm going to read outside my comfort zone. So it is a well-written book, but it wasn't really for me. So... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I'll still probably read the next thing she writes. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still think she's a good writer. I just didn't love it. <laughs> no. All right. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's the end of my year. That's every book I read. <laughs> Oof. Ah. <laughs> All right. Then we'll get into my final section, which is, you know, the hard but necessary books for people to read. Starting off with probably the most accessible one because it is a fiction uh, book, a middle grade book. Uh, it's mm. The Lost Year by Catherine Marsh, which is about this boy. Uh, it's taking place during like that first year of the pandemic. And so how he's dealing with that, but then also um, his Gigi has moved in with them. I think it's his great grandma. And he like has to go through her, her like things and her papers like and that's supposed to be like his task to be like doing that with her each afternoon to kind of get him out of his mom's way because she's having to work at home. And as he's doing that, he learns about the famine that happened in Ukraine in the 1930s. The I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, so I do apologize. The Holodomor. And so it's it's a really heartbreaking book. You get the perspective of Gigi when she was young. You get the perspective of one of her cousins and how they were kind of on two sides of this famine. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's, it's really, it's a really tough read. And it's just really sweet seeing, you know, the, the grandson really like getting to know who his grandma is and, and, and what her family had gone through. And it's really well done, but, but really tough. Nonfiction book that I read this year was Cobalt Red, How the Blood of the Congo Powers Our Lives by Siddhartha Kara. I mean, uh, everybody <laughs> needs to educate themselves on what is going on in the Congo because, it, as the title says, the mines there are integral to our very lives. It like the resources that are being dug up in those mines that are being taken from those mines are used in the batteries that are in our smartphones, our tablets, our our electric cars that are in all of these things that power our lives and the working conditions are horrendous. They are awful. And there are children that are being forced to work there that are unable to go to school because there is no funding for the schools. So they have to pay for the schools. And so then they have to go and work and maybe get a dollar a day for getting a bag of these resources. And then it costs like $5 to go to the school. And it's just like, it's awful. So, you know, not a happy topic, but I do think it's something that everybody should be aware of because of how much these electronics are in our lives. We should be aware of where the materials are coming from. And then my last section, these are books that I did not actually read this year. These are books that I read in 2020 and 2021, 
But these are all the books that I have read on Palestine. And I figure it is pretty important for people to read up on and know what is happening and what has been happening in Palestine. So I kind of have them ranked in order of most accessible to most academic, in in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Starting off, I would say, and this was recommended to me by Emma, Palestine by Joe Seiko, uh, graphic novel, It is, which Ooh. in and of itself makes it a little more accessible. Baby's first book on Palestine, it, honestly. Exactly. Yeah. It has so exactly. much information in it, though. That's the thing. It has. Oh, wow. It has so much information. It is really interesting how... I mean, his focus is talking to and interviewing Palestinians, but he does also talk to people in Israel. He does talk to Israelis and seeing their perspective and the just the drawings of where they are and where he's getting to have these conversations with them versus the where he's having these conversations with the Palestinians. It's just really impactful seeing that difference. So I would definitely say start with that. That is a accessible way to begin unpacking and learning what is happening there. Following it up, I would say The Ethnic Cleansing on Palestine by Ilan Pape is another one that I would suggest. And then my final two, which I think are the more academic, so maybe a little less accessible, a little harder to read, but still really important, are The Hundred Years' War on Palestine by Rashid Khalidi and Palestine, A 4,000-Year History by Nur Masala which was definitely the most academic. I remember I listened to that one on audiobook and there were a lot of references to maps. And I feel like if I had had the actual physical book, it would have been better for me to understand exactly what they were referencing and talking about. So those are my nonfiction recommendations. Oh, so good. (laughs) So I'm going to go into my nonfiction recommendations to not just recommendations, I guess, like honorable, you know, the ones that I love the most reading this year. The first one was a recommendation from last year's end of year podcast from Hannah. And that's the Radium Girls. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) I like for me, nonfiction books, I can digest them best when it's an audio book. It's like, Mm -hmm. I can't listen to fictional books by audiobook. I just get so lost. But, you know, for some reason, I can convince myself nonfiction is just like a podcast, like a really long podcast, and I can just get through it. And the Radium Girls audiobook was really enjoyable, actually. (laughs) Like, it was well narrated. It's really well done. Yeah, very well done. Very like, it's a very long book, too. Mm -hmm. I didn't actually realize how long it was, like in person, just because it felt like it I listen to it so quickly. But just such a great glimpse of and Hannah talked about it last year, but a great glimpse of what life was like working in the early 1920s. And how standards should change. I'm not sure how much they've changed since then. Really, it talks about the long process of change in work standards and safety. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the second book that I'm going to recommend last year, I had a real big Chernobyl year. So (laughs) this year, I got into Midnight in Chernobyl, which is the big academic, like, mm-hmm. uh, by Adam Higginbotham, big academic kind of overview of like, you know, actually, you know, takes you minute by minute through the disaster and like everything that followed mm-hmm. after going through the trial. Very interesting. I do have a follow up book that I am hoping to read soon called Voices of Chernobyl. I love what is it called? Uh, spoken History type books, um, you know, where it's the history straight from Mm. the mouth of the people that live through the disaster. And that's what that book is. The third one, this one I actually read 
I have a physical copy of and it sits on my desk and it's called On Tyranny, 20 Lessons from the 20th Century by Mm. Timothy Snyder. It's super short. It's very tiny. It's literally like a little handbook. Oh, wow. (laughs) And it's really poignant. It's how to recognize fascism and tyranny today and what it looks like literally today in politics. So very eye-opening, very good. And one book that I am listening to right now that I hope to finish by the end of the year is The Hundred Years, the book that you mentioned, The Hundred Years War on Palestine by Rashi Khalidi. So it is very academic, (laughs) but it does follow familial histories as well, which I appreciate as an anthropologist. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that one had a lot of if I remember I I didn't write it down but I think that one had a lot of like firsthand accounts. Mm-hmm. And I think even like him the author himself was also like putting in his own personal history. Yeah, which made it really impactful. Mhm. Yeah, I I love it so far. I'm only a couple hours like maybe 4 hours in, but mm. All right. That's what I got. Okay. And Emma already wrapped up her honorable mention. I know, I already talked about nonfiction books. I talked about one nonfiction yeah, yeah, yeah. book, and well, no, I talked about two. Yeah, no, you're good. Mm-hmm. I was saying you're good. You've you've wrapped up already. <laughs> I mean, I guess before we wrap up, what are you all thinking? Do you have any goals for 2024? Like, what do you want? Is, like, any genres you want to focus on? Anything specific that you want to make sure that you're reading next year? As far as nonfiction goes, I have like some personal goals, you know, of course, trying to stay in the know of like what's going on today. But also, I want to get into more about like climate displacement Mm. for my own. I'm trying, I might go back to grad school. I don't know. So I'm trying to do so. That's why I'm saying like, I want to go back for biological archaeology, maybe. And I would study the sudden, uh, the impact of sudden climate disasters. Mm. So, um, you know, I have like the Great Displacement lined up by Jake Biddle, which I started and then I was like, I need to like, I started as an audiobook and I was like, I need to take notes. Mm. Like I need to see the maps and everything that he's talking about. So that's what I want to get into more there. But book wise, I feel like I had a really good horror year. I want to shout out Nightworms because <laughs> <laughs> they're a horror subscription box, you know, mm-hmm. book service thing. And most of the books, a lot of the horror books that I read this year are from that subscription box. And they've been really good, like current reads. Nice. Yeah. All right. I don't I don't know if this goes exactly with your potential major that you're considering. But yeah. but th- this year I read The Worst Hard Time by Timothy Egan, which is about the Dust Bowl. Oh. So, Oh, I have heard good things about that book. Yeah. I'm interested for sure. As you know, I, my, my time period of interest is the 30s and 40s. That's where I like mm. to read my nonfiction. <laughs> and then like yeah. 1800s naval things. But yes. Yeah, I'm thinking I might need to read The Wager, too. Like, I I also have been drawn in, especially, I'm more drawn in on expedition-type boats. Like, the Endurance. Or, you know, like, things like that. Well, this was more, there there was a war going on, I forget which war, but, Mm. oh, the War of Jenkins' Ear. This was, that was what they called (laughs) (laughs) This guy was like, the Spanish cut off my ear. Here's my ear in a jar. (laughs) Wow. And English that's were like, amazing. yes, we must fight the Spanish now. I believe that's what happened in the book. Okay. Any excuse to fight the Spanish. Yeah, really. Yep. Honestly. That sounds about right. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, yeah. Not, not much exploration. Um, not by yeah. choice. <laughs> 
but reading goals, I don't know. I think, let's see, we're, we're going to finish up the Fist of the North Star manga that's out. I'm only on volume seven. I think there are 10 volumes out, mm-hmm. which covers the first half of the series. So I'm excited for that. But then I'll be like, I want to read the second half of the series now because there's a time yeah. skip and then they grow up and oh my god. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I didn't talk about it, but I read a couple Robin Hood related books this year because I have a secret Robin Hood obsession that's even secret for <laughs> myself because I, <laughs> because I don't get into things that I love because then they consume my life. So I've like been putting it off for so long. But like... I want to read more Robin Hood ap- adaptations. There you go. Nice. That's my goal. I like that. I like that too. Be true to yourself. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I think for me, I just, again, I didn't read as much romance this year, so I want to get back into that. Didn't read as much nonfiction, so I definitely want to get back into that. I've had this unofficial goal for the past few years to read through every single Alexander Dumas book ever, and this year I only read one so, wow. which is a like real downgrade from the previous year where I read at least like three or four yeah. <laughs> of his books. So I need to get back into that. I do think I'm going to be starting with The Fencing Master. Um, I already have it pulled up on to my e-reader. I, I don't know. I'm trying, I'm trying not to read it immediately, though, just because for the last little bit of December, I am trying to get through owned books, like owned physical books, mm-hmm. to try and get like my my physical TBR cart to look a little less full is what I'm attempting. But and I guess that's a goal that will continue into next year as well. You know, probably into eternity. Uh, truly, I <laughs> I tried really hard. I I used my library so much. I mean, One Piece was pretty much all through the library, except for you know like the more current issues. So saved a bunch of money and got the majority of my books from the library this year. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. I would say like most. Mostly, if not all of the nonfiction books that Hannah and I talked about are on Hoopla. I know that could be different based on your library, I guess. But I was able to find them all on Hoopla, which is just such a great resource. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That's that's how I it was either Hoopla or Libby where I was able to listen to Cobalt Red this year. So definitely check out your library and the audiobook selections that they have because that is definitely very helpful. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, then I think we have made it to the end of this year end review. All of our social media information can be found in our show notes. Uh, We would love to hear from you. Let us know what your favorite books of 2023 were. Thanks for joining in on our discussion. And until next time, don't forget to treat yourself. (laughs) 